Dear saints, and most especially dear Beth, grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. People who don't believe in God often complain that the Bible alone isn't enough for them to believe in God, and that the Bible isn't enough for them to repent of their sins. They say that they need something more, something in addition to it. And usually they will say something like if they only saw some sign or wonder or miracle, then they'd believe in God and repent of their sins. They'll say, if God really loves me and wants us all to go to heaven, then why doesn't he just appear to us? Just get it over with. If he did, then we'd all believe in him and we'd all repent of our sins and none would be lost. This old dusty Bible that we read, it's not enough to bring people to repentance and faith. We need something else. But what these people don't realize is that even if they saw a miracle from God, they still would not repent and believe it. The truth is that God has revealed himself to people. He has performed signs and wonders before their very eyes, and they still didn't repent or believe. In the Old Testament, God uh, sent Moses to Pharaoh and told him to free the, uh, free the Israelites from bondage uh, and slavery. God performed signs and wonders, plagues. He turned water into blood, sent frogs, gnats, flies, and so on. But after each plague that Pharaoh saw, he hardened his heart. God gave him sign after sign, and the more he saw, the worse he got. The more mercy he had, the more he rejected it. So sure, maybe Pharaoh believed that there was a God, but he didn't ever repent of his sin and trust in that God for for salvation and forgiveness. Even in the life of Jesus, he did signs and wonders in front of people. In Luke 11, Jesus healed a mute man. Everybody heard his voice uh, for the first time in his life. And those who saw it, the Bible says, marveled. And some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And then the text says that others, to test him, kept seeking, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. That is ongoing. Do something else, something else. More, more, more. It wasn't enough. In other words, Jesus did a miracle before their very eyes. He gave them a sign, a wonder. And for them, it still wasn't enough that they needed more. A few weeks ago uh, during Pentecost, we celebrated uh, the the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, Even on Pentecost, when the people heard the sound of rushing wind, they saw what looked like tongues of fire on the apostles' heads when they heard them speaking languages they'd never studied before. The Bible says that the people who saw this were bewildered and that all were amazed and perplexed. And some of those who heard this mocked them and said that they were, the disciples were drunk. But for others, they said, what does this mean? So do you see what, what's happening? This was a miraculous sign, a wonder, and yet they didn't repent of their sins and believe. The best it could do was lead them to ask, well, what does it mean? 
Some of the same people later repented. They were baptized and believed. But when did that happen? That happened when Peter preached to them. Only when they heard the word of God were they cut to the heart. And then they repented of their sins and they believed in the word. They saw a sign and they didn't believe. Then they heard the word and then they believed. Miracles don't convict you of sin or tell you about forgiveness. Signs and wonders don't do that. It is only the word that does that. Peter, James, and John saw, the, saw Christ transfigured before their very eyes. They saw Jesus' body glowing like the sun. And what does Peter say about that event? He says, When Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven because we were with him on the holy mountain. So they they literally saw Jesus glowing like the sun. They heard God's voice from heaven. And then Peter says these words, but we have the prophetic word, which is more certain, which is better than that, to which you would do well to take heed. In other words, they saw this great and glorious event and they trusted more in the written word of God than their own experience. Why? Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they rely upon what they saw? Well, because one day they could always doubt and wonder what they saw. One day they might come to doubt what they saw and come to believe and think maybe that was a hallucination. Maybe it was a dream. Did I really see what I saw? Or, or their mind could fail them and they could forget it all. Even more, even if they remembered it, what was the point of the event if they didn't understand it? They didn't know what it meant. So they're going to interpret it a number of different ways. So even the apostles themselves, who were eyewitnesses to many miracles of Jesus, said that the written word of God is more reliable than their own experience. Because they could doubt their experiences, and those experiences and emotions and meanings are going to change over time. But every time they opened the scripture, they read the same thing over and over again, no matter how much they changed. So even the eyewitnesses of Jesus' miracles confess that the Bible is more reliable than their heart. Now, this is the last example, but in today's gospel lesson, the same thing happens. Jesus tells the story of Lazarus and the rich man. They both die. The rich man goes to hell. Lazarus is carried to heaven by the angels. The rich man is in torment and knows that Lazarus now lives in peace. So he begs. The rich man begs Abraham to send Lazarus back to earth to visit his brothers so that they would see him risen from the dead and that if they saw this, then they would believe. They would believe in God and repent. And Abraham said, they, your brothers, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, They have the Bible, and that's enough. And then the rich man argues back, and he says, No, Father, no, Father Abraham, but but I I, I have a plan. If someone goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. They'll see this great sign and wonder, and then they're going to be converted. And then Abraham says these words, If they don't hear Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. If they saw one of the most miraculous things, 
they would not be convinced of it. Do do you see what the problem is here? Even while in hell, this man knows that repentance is necessary. He finally gets it. It's too late. But he still doesn't think that the word of God, that the Bible is enough to save, that it was enough to save him and that it is enough to save his brothers. He wants them to be saved, but he thinks that the only way it's going to happen is through a sign or a wonder or some uh, miracle of God. And this is the point. If this word, this preaching, this sermon doesn't convict you, it doesn't convict you of your sin and show you your need for a savior and drive you to repentance and drive you to faith in Christ for your salvation, then nothing will. That's it. If the Bible doesn't convert and change your heart, then nothing will. It doesn't matter what happens in your life or how good or bad it's going to get or how long or short you have left. God could rip the sky open right now and thunder down glory and might, and it is not going to help. If the preaching of Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of all of your sins does not cut you to the heart and give you joy through his bitter suffering and death, if that doesn't convince you to forsake yourself and to cling to Christ alone, then nothing will. If you don't hear the word, if you won't hear it, then there's no hope. Even if an angel from heaven appears to you. No one who has repented of his sin and been saved has done so because of a sign or a wonder or miracle. All who have been saved have been saved by the word, by what was spoken and said. And this is because faith doesn't come by seeing or feeling or experiencing. Faith comes by hearing And hearing the word of Christ alone. No, the Bible doesn't tell you everything you need to know about this life or where you need to work or eat or what you need to wear and so on. It's not an encyclopedia of human knowledge or a book that tells you all of human history or medicine or architecture, geography, things like this. The Bible doesn't even tell you everything that you need to know about God. It doesn't even tell you everything about God that you even want to know about him. It doesn't reveal everything that God has ever said or done. But what the Bible does say is perfectly enough to save you. 2 Timothy 3.15 says that the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise. They are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We, We call this in theology the sufficiency of Holy Scripture. That is, that that the Bible is sufficient in and of itself to save you. That you don't need anything else. The Bible alone is enough to move you to repentance and enough to convert you and give you faith. Yes, unbelievers need to hear this. But Christians need to hear it too. That's because we're tempted oftentimes to believe that God's word isn't enough. Entire congregations have thrown out the liturgy, which is simply God's word 
a, a number of God's word in verses strung together. They've thrown out the liturgy and faithful hymns. They've opted for a rock band and pop music and lasers and light shows and programs and screens in an effort to help convert people. They want to make church exciting and fun and to give them an experience. And what, what do you think is behind it? Well, what's behind this mentality is that it's simply that they don't believe that simply the preaching of God's word alone is enough to convert the heart. That that, that is not enough. It's not enough to read from an old dusty book or from, from, from over there from the lectern. And it's not enough to have a sermon on what the Bible actually says or to sing a liturgy that's straight from the Bible. They think that God's word needs help. It, it, it's not good enough. So we need to add to it. We need to add an experience, something else to help convert people. And that is wrong. God has never needed help in this. I, I know we don't do any of that here at Zion. And as long as you... As a congregation remain faithful, we never will. But I want to warn you of another danger that's all too common. And it's a lot more personal. We face the temptation to claim that God's word isn't enough. When we think that God has to prove his love to us through circumstances. So I'll explain. When someone's struggling in this life or suffering or hurting or has been uh, uh, hurt by others, been sinned against. They're going through great misery and anguish. One of the first things I hear them ask is this. Is God angry with me? Does God still love me? If God loved me, then I wouldn't suffer like this. This wouldn't have happened. If he loved me, then this or that wouldn't have happened. If God loved me, then life wouldn't be so hard. If God loved me, if, if so, so on and so forth. And what they're doing is this. They're asking for a sign and a wonder to prove his word. They're judging who God is, not by what he said, but based on what they feel and what they experience. Instead of clinging to the word of God that says he clearly he loves them, that he poured out his blood for them. That is how great he thinks of you, all of you, for the world. They say that's not enough. What I need is a sign and a wonder. I need something to change to see that God loves me or else I won't believe it. They'll only believe that God loves them if he changes their situation, if God removes their pain or their disease, if he fixes their marriage and family, or if he gives them what they ask. They ask God for something else besides the word. Thank you for saying what you said in the Bible, but I need something else because that's not enough to convince me that you truly love me. And behind this is the idea that God's word isn't enough once again. And this too is wrong. Judgment begins in the house of God. So we should repent forever thinking or even feeling this way. When our hearts think that God doesn't love us, when we don't feel loved by him, we need to repent because no matter how we feel or what we go through, he does. No matter how much your circumstance doesn't change, you have to remember that God's word doesn't either. And so what he said is true, even if you're in the same place that you've been trying to get out of day in and day out for years and years and years. 
He's loved you. He has poured his blood out for you. He is not angry with you. He has satisfied the wrath of God on the cross for you. He has never for a second forgotten you, no matter how painful it's been. Even if your disease doesn't go away or your memories don't go away or your money and possessions never come back, if your scars don't go away, the, words, the, the word of the Lord is true. Just consider poor Lazarus. Poor Lazarus had nothing. He was homeless. He was without a wife, without children, without money, without possessions. The dogs came and licked his wounds, his sores. He was lowly and despised. He died alone. And yet he heard Moses and the prophets. And he believed what they said. And he believed that God loved him no matter how sad his life became. And he knew that God loved him no matter how sinful and guilty he felt. He knew that God at the end, at the last, would send his holy angels to take him home when he died. And he put his confidence in Jesus alone. You need to remember that God's word is true, regardless of what you experience or feel. Before I close, I want to address one last thing. And it's this, that about the middle of the year last year, a woman came to our church one Sunday out of the blue. Um, nobody from Zion reached out to her or knew who she was. She just showed up. And I spoke with her after the service. And one of the first things she said to me was this. She goes, I just want to know the truth. She goes, that's all. I don't want opinions. I don't want ideas or what anyone thinks. I just want to know what God says. And now our dear sister Beth is being confirmed in the faith today. And in a few moments, she will receive with all of us here today the very body and blood of Christ that was crucified and resurrected and is at the right hand of God, she will receive truly. And this is because over the past several months, she wanted to hear God's word and she did. She didn't ask for a sign or a wonder. She didn't want anyone's opinion or ideas. She asked, show me, what does the Bible say? And she heard it and she rejoiced. And she heard that the God of heaven and earth, the God who spoke the universe into existence, the one who formed you in your mother's womb and numbers the hairs on your head, is the same God who redeemed her by his blood. And she learned that her circumstances and situations and moments of happiness and sadness don't for a second define God's love for her, that her health her wealth, her success doesn't define God's love for her. She learned that Jesus does. That his bitter suffering and death on the cross defines and always will define what God thinks of her and how much he loves her. She learned that no matter how many sins she may have in this brief life of labor, that in baptism, Jesus washed them all away. She learned that no matter what her feelings or emotions or experiences may tell her, that even if her heart condemns her, God is greater than her heart and he forgives her. And she learned 
what you all have learned here too. So when the day comes when you have to depart this life, naked and alone, like Lazarus, when the day comes that you take nothing with you, when the day comes when your days are full and your money and possessions fail you and are taken away, when the day comes for you to close your eyes in death, when the day comes that God's word is all you have left, then you can die in peace. Knowing that if God's word is all you have, God's word is all you ever needed. And the Lord will send his holy angels to take you home. I want, I want to close by reading the words of the hymn that we sang today. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. I pray thee ne'er from me depart. With tender mercy, cheer me. Earth has no pleasure I would share, yea, heaven itself were void and bare, if thou, Lord, wert not near me. And should my heart for sorrow break, my trust in thee can nothing shake. Thou art the portion I have sought, thy precious blood my soul has bought. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, my God and Lord, forsake me not. I trust thy word. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.